Hey gang, before we start the show this week, I wanted to give you a little bit of a heads up. We had a strange audio snafu that caused Kate's audio to sound a little blown out, but overall the episode is great, there's just some weirdness with the audio. So, without further ado, on to the episode. This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. With me this week are two non-robotic human beings. Nick White. Hey. And Kate Scotchless. Hello. Thank you both for joining me this week. Super happy that you're here. Super happy that you're not robots. I don't know why I think that's so funny and I feel like I have to say it, but I do... I just got back from FlameCon this past week, and I went one day to the biggest LGBTQ comic convention in the country, I believe, and it is by far the friendliest convention ever. I just want to say hello to Cena Grace. I doubt that he's even listening, but he was superb. He was very, very kind and very nice when I asked him to sign my Iceman comic book, and he drew a gambit in my gambit book that I have, and he apologized for some weird goofiness that was happening at his table. He was very, very nice. I very much wish to hang out with him and have a drink and just just chat because he had so many things to say about Iceman. It just made my heart swell with X-Men love, you know. So I, I hope your guys' weekend has been great because mine was fantastic as of yesterday, despite my body wanting to shut down by 10 p.m. when I got home. <laughs> that so sounds super let me, fun. Yeah, honestly, FlameCon was the best. I bought a bunch of zines. If you like Overwatch, I bought a little Hanzo McCree art book where they're like boyfriends i think it's it's adorable um anyways let me ask you the question that i ask every week (laughs) how have you been how have comic books been let's start with you nick because you are surprisingly quiet about all of this (laughs) well i was i was gonna interrupt and ask you why in the world cena grace's sketch had the word sorry at the bottom and i'm i'm glad you explained that because i i kept looking down at the word and then up at the sketch and i was like this looks perfectly fine. Well, what he, am I missing? He also, <laughs> he also told me that he was like, I didn't do this character justice. However, the the picture it is looks fantastic. Fine. Yeah, I really liked it. It looks very different from the other sketches in your book. I, I think it's got a little bit of a cartoony, fun bent to it. So uh, totally. So that's that's good. Um, yeah, things things have been good. I got some reading done yesterday. Um, it was sort of like cramming for a test because, you know, I was put on this show semi-last minute, and so I was like, oh, fuck, I got to get some reading done. Uh, and then I kind of went overboard. But um, <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, are you really going to complain about having to, you know, have to read comics? Oh, I got to read comics, damn it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think... <laughs> It, it's I, I normally I, I try to pace out some reading throughout the week, but uh, a I didn't think I was going to be on, and then b um, earlier in the week I was like uh, let's let's mow the lawn, and uh, uh, my parents were were out of town, so I figured I would I would uh, do them a, a solid uh, and get back from work and and, and mow their lawn, but uh, mm-hmm. I for realized that I hadn't done that in a while, used muscles I haven't used in a while. And oh, no. uh, all aboard the pain train uh, to, um, <laughs> you know, can I get off? It's it's real fun because it turns every couch into uh, like an escape artist sort of situation where it's like, uh, am I going to ever leave the confines of this cushion? The key um, is to just <laughs> flop onto the floor, like kind of roll off onto the floor like a fish and just lay there thinking about all your mistakes <laughs> that got you to this place. 
That's what I yeah. do. God. <laughs> See, I, I I just do all of that from the confines of the cushion itself. But uh, <laughs> you know, Tia was very nice to to send me some suggestions. I think she's. She's had her own fair share of um, oh, yeah. She's had a lot of bad bodily issues. discomfort from time to time, uh, mm-hmm. and so she suggested some things, including I think some some yoga poses that uh, were were Nick White at one hundred percent. He would not be attempting, but uh, the gesture was there. <laughs> the effort was appreciated. So mm-hmm. uh, thank you for that, Tia. Um, but talking about escape artists, let's let's talk about some things I read, uh, which include Nick White being a contrarian fuckhead and saying, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Miracle 2017, how about Mr. Miracle 1971? Oh, God. Can I just so, say, when I glanced at the notes for this week and read, I was like skimming through what you wrote, I was like, the hell were you smoking? That's not what happened in Mr. Miracle at all. I read it yeah. too. Yeah. What yeah. on earth? And then I saw the number, the date, and I was like, oh, never mind. I think we know which one of us read the better issue. Um, <laughs> so, so I read Mr. Miracle 1971 by Jack Kirby, um, and it was a it was a really fun, just zany, interesting issue. But I would still say it's possibly my favorite Jack Kirby work. Uh, it begins with with Mr. Miracle uh, all dressed in his garb with the assistance of his dwarf buddy Oberon, uh, who Oberon's like, we really shouldn't be doing this, and he's like, too late, we got to do this. So Oberon puts these chains on him, and then he puts them in. He puts him in what looks like an outhouse, uh, and then once he's got Mr. Miracle firmly in the shitter, he boards up the whole thing. And you're like, and then he's still telling Mr. Miracle, it's not too late. We don't have, we, it's, this is something we don't have to do. Meanwhile, he's the one basically sending Mr. Miracle to his death. So there's real mixed messages there. Is um, this like a space outhouse or something? This, this is just on Earth. This is just out oh. in the field. Out in the field. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I know what you mean. I, I kept waiting for like something extraterrestrial or foreign, but it's like, it looks like it's the middle of some field in Iowa or something. Uh, and then he's like, all right, next stop. And he grabs an industrial-grade flamethrower and, you know, torches the thing for about seven seconds straight. And I'm like, what in God's name is this? I'm watching a snuff film. I thought this was a science fiction <laughs> comic. This right. is like David Blaine gone wrong now. And, uh, <laughs> you know, sure enough, he escapes. And um, this passerby who's been watching the whole thing and who tried to break him out uh, turns out to be scot-free. And so it's a really clever misdirect. The the original Mr. Miracle is not actually the Mr. Miracle. Really? Yes. Yes. Uh, okay. Scott Free does not start as Mr. Miracle. Someone else does, which is an interesting little twist. Uh, and it really piqued my interest the moment I realized this book from 1971 was already, you know, fucking with my expectations of it. Uh, mm-hmm. So I thoroughly enjoyed that. I would definitely recommend it. It's based on Jack Kirby's interactions with Jim Steranko, another comic book guy who I think became famous for um, Sergeant Fury and whatnot, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. And yeah. it's based on his early exploits as an escape artist. So the end of the issue is um, Mr. Miracle being strapped to a rocket that is now, uh, he's chained to the front of a rocket, which is now being launched into space. So if that doesn't get your interest, I I really don't know what would. Uh, But I had a lot of fun with that. That's great. Uh, What else? A couple other brief things. Red Aliens Defiance, 11 and 12. These were the last two issues. We had another swap out artist. Um, Eduardo Eduardo Francisco took over for the last two sort of light 
um, manga influences to it. it. It wasn't offensive, but it wasn't my cup of tea. Uh, interestingly enough, the series does end in a place that is unusually slightly optimistic for an alien series, but it doesn't escape the inevitable, like, aliens core template, which is, uh, uh, one woman will likely survive everything, mostly everyone else will die, uh, right. that all comes to be, uh, true, um, but it leaves open the series for more stuff, so we'll see if Brian Wood returns to this, if he does, please keep the art consistent, um, a few other brief things, Nick White continued his, um, daring, um, exploits to get up to date on Batman. I read 27. This was the issue drawn by Clay Mann is, and is the interlude in the War of Jokes and Riddles series. Uh, it focused around Kite Man. I know that some people are probably, <laughs> I know, I loved it. I love, I love this issue. I'm sure some yeah. people pointed at this issue and said, you want to talk about Rebirth's issue with having filler issues? I think this is one of those issues. To which I say, maybe, but I really enjoyed the change of pace. Uh, I thought it was fun to actually deal with this character that Tom King seems to have a weird fucking obsession with. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we got not... W- Go ahead, Mike. No, I was going to say, just to say the least, yeah, that he... He's thrown Kite Man into every scenario possible, which has been ridiculous. <laughs> you know, and he's always Kite Man. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> like, which yeah. is great because he takes that phrase of Kite Man, hell yeah, and now he makes you think about it in a way that makes you sad every time you hear it. So thanks Absolutely. a lot, Tom King. Fuck you. <laughs> T- Kite Man, oh no. Um <laughs> I really liked this issue. I'm sure some people did not like this change of pace, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, If anything else, it just goes to show you what sort of insane level of planning um, the Riddler apparently has. I love when the scene where Kite Man goes to Joker and he's like, well... I didn't tell on you, but Bat made me. Batman made me tell you about when Riddler told me that thing about Batman, and I wasn't gonna tell you. But then Batman made me confess to him again, and it just goes on for like a whole paragraph. Uh, mm-hmm. So that was good. I also love that Kite Man's name is Charlie Brown, and there's a splash page of the Joker saying "Good grief." Um, yeah, <laughs> there was a lot of great comedy and great tragedy in this issue. Definitely one of my favorite issues so far. Otherwise, one or two real brief things. Red Vader down. <laughs> we can talk about this at length at maybe some other point. But um, Darth Vader gets surrounded. Darth Vader versus 36 X-Wings. Darth Vader versus a whole platoon of army soldiers. Oh no, it looks like it's time for Darth Vader to die. Except that would be anachronistically incorrect in terms of timelines we know about him. And then, oh, he just turns on the force with the flip of a switch and murders everything. Um, for those of you confused, beautiful. Nick White is hearkening back to what, like 2014 for this? Or 15? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, six, down, 16, yeah. I think. This is, this was after volume two. Yeah, I'm, I'm slowly making my <laughs> way through. Mike Dedodato's art, though, Oh, so good. I know some people are going to not like his likenesses of the Star Wars characters. His Dr. Aphra is definitely very different from anyone else's, uh, but his space battles were good. I thought it was fun. Uh, definitely bombastic. Really had a big sort of summer comic event yeah. like, 
splash pages galore kind of feel. Mm-hmm. Um, but the book I really want to focus on is uh, Grass Kings number six. This was the most recent issue. Uh, it does wrap the first arc. I can say that definitively because I did look it up. Um, this was the issue where I was saying, like, the last issue turned out to be this all-out, like, more or less war between this utopian kind of free-to-be-you-and-me compound um, and the local police force, which was coming in to um, retrieve this woman that had been, quote-unquote, uh, kidnapped, quote-unquote, was missing. Um, and I was like, how in the world is Matt King, Matt Kent going to de-escalate this situation? And it's uh, he is a master plotter because all of a sudden the two forces force each other into kind of a stalemate based based on blackmailing information and i don't want to mm. reveal say, too if much you spoil here. this yeah, i will please, kill you please yeah. don't spoil this yeah i definitely yeah. want to read this book but let's just say everybody has dirt on everybody else and just when you think all right so everybody's even um you realize that this is not a stalemate that can stay a stalemate forever uh because everything is not perfect within the utopia and i will leave it at that but holy cow matt kent shifts gears from having a problem in arc one that gets resolved into a definite problem for arc two that's super smooth it's really well done and the seeds are perfectly sown throughout the six issues that you go oh my goodness i totally forgot that was an issue um and it just perfectly masterclass way to end this arc i cannot emphasize this trade these six issues together are going to be killer killer well, killer when yeah put the together. big thing for me is tyler jenkins art on this has just been unbelievably perfect yeah yeah it starts a little oddly very messy in the first issue one or two issues it's a little bit kind of oddly unkempt um, no, that's just how I, he draws <laughs> that is his style no 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 because that's what's <laughs> weird like it definitely gets more mm, paint between the lines with later issues um that or maybe i just got i, I, think I don't you might know have if acclimated to his style to he's a very stylized yeah. Yeah. artist yeah so so that's that's what i read um what about you kate well for me it's been a kind of disappointing week my friend mike went to FlameCon with the sole pers- purpose yeah. of finding me a girlfriend and came back empty-handed so you don't know that what what you don't know okay that. we gotta talk no <laughs> um real talk no well okay yeah that's what this episode's actually all about uh no i'm kidding, the, the kidding. Big go reveal. ahead kate sorry i didn't i didn't i didn't find you a girlfriend but i i tried very hard <laughs> i don't believe you but in the end mike it didn't um, matter so <laughs> in the end does anything even matter Whoa. Whoa. This went this dark. Week, real talk. Look, we just went from Lincoln Park to nihilism. All right. <laughs> okay. That's just a hop and a skip away, man. Yeah, bingo. We're bingo. right there. So last Sunday, Xander, Nick, and Brian and I, so most of the Grand Rapids IRCB crew went to the Charles Soul signing in, at Vault of Midnight, and I picked up curse words. Charles Soul. And Ryan Brown. And yep. Ryan Brown. And Ryan yep. Brown. And I picked up curse words volume one, which I had not read yet i I got my she hulk by charles soul signed and went and i was like well i'll get the trade too since that's what they were actually uh touring for so i read that and it is fantastic and tia and mike were totally right all the times i hyped it on the show team margaret for life Mm -hmm. oh yes so now that i have a volume of it though it means i have to trade weight it forever because you can't just mix and match that's like against the rules of comics (laughs) so i won't read more for a long time that's not true (laughs) 
That's not true. You Sometimes can mix and match all you want. People. Have to be no, made, yeah. no, I'm sorry. That them's the rules. You, I can't. I just can't. Um, so. The other things I read this week were single issues. I read Batwoman number six, which is the issue uh, with Bennett Tinian and now Eddie Barrows on art. And this is separate from the initial first arc, but it is part of the first trade, apparently, according to DC's website, which seems really weird to me. Uh, it's, it's called <laughs> okay. Pax oh, Bat- Batmana Part 1, and it feels like it's leading into a Batman event, like a crossover event but I am not up to date on any of this stuff, so I don't know. But the, but I do know that hmm. the issue that follows it is part one of like the actual second arc of Batwoman, which this is not. So it has to be part of, like, I don't know what they're doing. And like the next issue has another different artist and is the artist that's on the second arc. So it, this is a weird, it's definitely not a standalone though. It's definitely, definitely the start of big action. It was weird. It, it's set in the future. You don't know how far in the future, and Batwoman's return to Gotham City, and Gotham City is basically like uh, futuristic Berlin during the Cold War, where it's uh, half of it is a police state run by Batman, except it's oh, who's Red Robin? What's his name? Yeah, Tim it's Tim Drake. Drake. Batman has turned it into a police state run by his Batmen. Um, yeah, and there's like tons of them. They're basically like Judge Dreddy type stuff with, and it's very futuristic with all these little drones going around spying on everybody and every, you know, you can't do anything. I always knew that guy was a fucker. Right? And then the other half <laughs> of Gotham Drake is, too, too smart for is his own like good. semi-free and that's being uh, more or less run by... Montoya, uh, who's become, yeah, Renee who's Montoya? become, Renee who's Montoya, become the question? commissioner. And oh, okay. But but you don't know how or when or like the, the that part is unclear. What's clear is that this is set significantly in the future because it's somewhat it has a sci-fi look and all the, Gotham's gone farther to shit than usual. Hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. Batwoman has a costume redesign that's very reminiscent of Odin and Wicked and Divine. So I thought it was cool. It's definitely a setup for what seems like a very interesting story of Batwoman trying to take down Tim Drake and his police state. Uh, to bring freedom back to the people of that half of Gotham. Uh, hmm. But I have no idea when that story's going to happen, because like I said, like the next issue of Batwoman has nothing to do with this and is back in the normal Batwoman timeline for like the se- current series. So who knows? Huh. I hope I hope they go somewhere with that at some point. Otherwise, that seems to me plain and simple, like another one of these DC... Oh, wait. No, Batwoman's once a month. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, okay, then I guess this isn't a, an accusation of double shipping filler No, and issues. it's definitely Weird. not a one-shot. Okay. Like, it, it's, it is called part one, and it would it is not a standalone. Part one of a series where part it's two will come out right? later. I even Googled Pax oh, Batman to see if it was, like, labeled on any of the other Comics Batman aren't books, weird. Why do people say comics are confusing? I don't yeah, get it. No, it, it has to be a <laughs> yeah. crossover, though. Like, that, you know how you read a thing yeah, and you're like, this surprised- is definitely an event? So I, well, I'm surprised that it didn't end with it saying continued in, right. you know, yeah. Red Hood and the Outlaws or whatever the hell book it continues yeah. in next. I don't know. Right. It, it is possible that it does, and I didn't read carefully enough, but I don't think it did. Um, and when I Googled <laughs> it, it didn't say. Hit hit up Kate on, yes, on Twitter. Tell her tell her that she's wrong. Well, no, tell me where to go for the rest of this. <laughs> yes, don't don't be rude. Just yes, be helpful. That is that is the whole thing on the internet. Be helpful, not rude. Yes. 
So I also read Mr. Miracle number one, which was as fantastic as everyone said. And you can read all about it online. And I'm not going to hype it more. It's like all anything's about right now on the comics verse. Um, yeah. And we knew it was going to be great. I mean, it's Tom King and Mitch Gerards who are fan- a fantastic team. I love his art yeah. so much. And then... Yeah, his art was definitely the yeah, biggest selling point sure. of that issue for me. But I we already yeah. talked about it, so yeah, I, I won't go into it any further. Um, I also read Gamora number five, which is the last of the series by Nicole Perlman and Marco Cicchetto, which the series, series was co- so fantastic. It was my favorite Marvel book coming out month to month for a while. And Marvel canceled it in its infancy before it had the chance to sell via trade paperbacks, which is where it would have found its audience, which is really frustrating. And I do understand the economics of why they do that versus because you have to get like well through almost done with the second arc before the trade paperback comes out and you see its numbers. And so you just cut your losses on these smaller books. But it's so frustrating because it was so good, and it was such a really, really good female heroine story, and it was the mm-hmm. art was incredible. And um, but Perlman's writing is she, she wrote the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, and she writes fantastic scripts, and it's much different than the usual Guardians of the Galaxy books where it's not a comedy book. It was very much a serious like character study of Gamora and how she her origin story of how she decided to turn on Thanos. And yeah, oh, what cool. what her story is that it was fascinating and gorgeous, and I am just so disappointed that it got chopped so quickly. How about you, Mike? Bring cheer us up. What's happening uh, in X Men? Yeah, well, okay. So yeah, let, let me fill you guys in this week <laughs> in X Men. We'll be back in ten. Uh, no. So I I said uh, I sat down this week. I read a handful of books. Um, I did read Bitch Planet Triple Future Number Three. Um, which for Bitch Planet fans out there, this is, or who may not know or maybe aren't reading this, um, this is kind of like a mini anthology series that the that Kelly Sue DeConnick and Valentine Delandro are kind of overseeing. Um, other people are writing little 10 to 12 page stories that fit inside of the Bitch Planet universe. They don't ne- necessarily directly tie into the overall story, but they kind of give you a stronger feel for the world and the, the just the awful, ridiculous things that happen in the bitch planet universe and it's really good i i've really enjoyed these i i can't say that there has been a story that i didn't sit back and go jesus that's fucked up and it like adds value to the whole overall story uh i really liked it so far um and number three there wasn't any one story in particular that stood out but um I love the various array of artists that they're getting. There's no one solid color palette or art or art style in the book, um, which is really, really cool. And I think that's some of the you know advantages of reading anthology books like this. Um, highly recommend it. Uh, I also read, finally, The Old Guard number five, which yes. I guess is the end of the arc and they may return, question mark. Oh, come uh, Holy on. shit. I, I, I mean, fuck I know. Me like that. Well, I mean, that's what it says at the end. They they hyped uh, this book like amped up to eleven at the end, and I'm it yeah. was so yeah just yeah mm, is cathartic. It was really good. Um, really dug that. I I really love uh, just the sh- the way that they shaped some of the final scenes. Um, that the end of the book has some of the, has one of the coolest like things about. I don't want to spoil it. But the end, the way they deal with some confrontation, um, was really, right. really clever. I really liked the way that they treated it. And so 
I'm still on board for this book. Greg Rucka, whenever you want to put out more, you know that I'm going to be buying. Um, also, thanks for listening. Um, close friend of the show, Greg Rucka. I, I forgot to mention that. <laughs> um, I did read uh, Heathen Number 5, and this book, it, it's so refreshing to have Heathen back. Um, you know, they reprinted issues. Vault Comics, I should say, where, is where Heathen's being printed now and being sold through and published by. Um, so they reprinted 1 through 4, and Number 5 is the first new issue we've seen in a, quite a while. And this book, it's always has something in it that has me saying, fuck yeah, by the end. Like, by the end of this issue, I was just so excited to have the book back. Just this this very, like, not simple, but, like, easy narrative to follow that just is straightforward and works really, really well. Like, Natasha Alterisi's art and story and her writing, everything is just great about this book. So to have it back in my regular monthly reading list... Um, it's just a, like a wave of relief to know that I've got at least a consistent, high-quality book to come back to. Um, if you're not reading Heathen, go get on that. Fix that. That is a problem in your life you need to go fix. Um, I also read Generation X number 5. Um, this book, this issue was all about iBoy and Nature Girl. And I know <laughs> I talked about how I love this series because Nature Girl can talk to birds. And that's also why I love Secret Weapons. Um, and this issue was just fantastic iBoy and Nature Girl are like two of the cooler characters, I think, in this overall cast of the series. Um, and Christina Strain is doing a stupendous job writing the book. Um, I tweeted about it. She listened to our episode last week, apparently. Um, yeah. And she was mentioning and talking to me on Twitter for a hot second. And it was really, really cool um, because this book is like The Misfits. It's just a bunch of weirdo kids trying to figure out who they are in the X Mansion, X Universe. And I love this book. I, I cannot emphasize how great this story is if you want to get into x-men and you're willing to try something weird this is the book for you for sure generation x number five i love this book um that's what's happening in x-men there's other stuff that i read in the x-men universe but i won't go into that too uh but finally i did read the end of the fucking world by charles forsman which is a series or not a series it's a book that is being turned into a Netflix series apparently, but it's also on our summer reading list for the Goodreads group. So I was like, let's hit four birds with one stone and read a book that I've been meaning to read for forever. Read a book that Paul suggested. Read a book that's on the Goodreads reading list that Paul also that Paul suggested, and also to read a book before the Netflix series comes out. So I felt pretty confident. Um, I'm pretty happy about reading this book, and oh my god, it is dark and sad, and I feel like I need to crawl into a hole and not come out of it. So, you know, all the good stuff that wow. happened in all the other books that I read was completely demolished by the depressing, awful ending of this book, like, in, in a good way. Like, Fantagraphics books, they always kind of have this depressing, weird, real-life feel to them, and the end of the fucking world has exactly <laughs> that, and it's Real so dark, is so sad. but you gotta read it. You gotta read it. Oh man, it's it's so twisted. It's it's simple. Like the art is very simple line art. Uh, Charles Forsman just like kills you in the end. Like he he does some really just. He weird literally shows up at your house as you're turning the last page. Yeah, this is like the ring. I've got seven days to live now. He called me on my phone, and he's like, "You finished the book. Sorry, this has to happen. I'm on a plane from Portland, he called me, or Massachusetts, wrote you up. where he's from." <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, anyways, at The End of the Fucking World, totally awesome book. If you're participating in the I Read Comic Books summer slash end of year reading list, this is one of the books on the list. I highly recommend it. Um, it's dark. It's way off the wall. Definitely far from a cape book. Definitely far from an image or boom book. 
Um, it's really going to just punch you in some weird places um, and leave you feeling on whole. So, anyways, uh, let's move on to something else. He will else. punch you in the kidney. Okay. <laughs> and we can talk about comic books that are coming out this week. Comic books are going to be released on August 23rd, 2017. Kate and Nick, what are you excited for? We'll start with you, Kate. I'm looking forward to Underwinter... Underwinter, that's kind of a hard one to say, uh, number six by Ray Fox. It's the final issue of the mini. Mm -hmm. I will come clean and say that I'm on issue like three or four right now, so I haven't gotten there yet. Um, But it is the final issue, so that's exciting because then I can sit down and just reread the entire thing all in one go, which is always fun. And really, how could it be bad? Because do you like pretty things? Ray Fox art is for you. Do you like creepy comics? Ray Fox comics are for you. It's like there's there's no controversy <laughs> here. Read Under Underwinter. It's hard for that not to say I like sound things. like underwear. Don't read underwear. Read Underwinter. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were gonna say Neverwinter Nights. I think. That's oh yeah, it was. It was like a D and D esque video game. Yeah. So if you want to read some D and D art style comics, read Neverwinter Nights by Ray Fox. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> No, no, that is not what I said, oh, Michael okay. Rappin. Um, <laughs> I'll keep but it Underwinter brief, read is underwear. all one word. Underwinter, so, yeah. Yep. yep. <laughs> Nick, what are you excited <laughs> for this week? Hey, I'm just going to cut you off. I don't know what your bad joke was, but I don't, I don't want to hear it. Nick, what are you excited for? <laughs> I was just going to say, Nick, what did you read? Please, yeah. Mike, I'm never coming back. No one even caught my briefs underwear joke, so I don't even oh, know man. where this podcast is going. Me either. So it's just it's just comedy gold coming out over here, guys. Come on, um, uh, comedy pyrite. Am I right? G- uh, rocks joke. Now you know what Nick collected for a lot of years. Oh yeah, uh, I'm sad. Um, okay, so my pick for this week, Nick. Does this book get bring brought up too much? Yes. Is it part of? picks of the week all the time Uh uh-huh is it on what i've read all the time yes it is is it the last issue so you won't have to hear about this book again yes that's correct until the trade comes out when i will buy it again you (laughs) need you need to be reading alien or alien dead orbit aliens dead orbit i think this is an alien situation this series likes to fuck with everyone so if Mm -hmm. you don't remember the series goes alien then aliens then alien to the third power then they go alien salvation resurrection resurrection anyway so clearly the 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 franchise already has a naming issue to begin with yeah one of these other issues that is that i can never remember whether it's alien or aliens i think it's aliens anyway it's dead orbit that's the important part it's the last (laughs) issue out of four issues it's a mini series it's by james stoko he did everything involved with this it's intricate it's beautiful it's creepy it's scary i think the most surprising thing is a lot of people went into this expecting gorgeous art with maybe a skeletal story um a simple effective story at best and honestly this book flashes back and forth between the past and the present as you see things kind of falling apart and then the current state in which things have definitely uh the shit has hit the fan um Mm -hmm. and it's effective and it's clear it's very easy to follow but it's also more carefully plotted than i expected it to be so this is it if you haven't been reading it up to this point i'm sure the trade will come out in a couple months and it being dark horse it will probably not be the most affordable thing in the world otherwise let me know let me let you in on a secret comics algae tends to have a dark horse sale 
Um, I think the next one will be probably line-wide around Thanksgiving, <laughs> if my calculations are correct. Nick has a calendar. I love yeah. this. Uh, I love this. I've developed systems, people. And so if you really wanted to wait, right around then it should go to a dollar an issue. And I think that'll be an easy route to get it to. No, no. You should just buy this in the hardcover. Put it on your yeah. shelf. You're going to want yeah. this book. Good God. So good. So Sorry, listeners, Kate. now that you're excited that you just heard your very last about Alien from Nick, <laughs> joke's on you because yeah. there will just be endless more Alien books because he's yes. like, it's done, but it's not really done. They just do right. a bunch of minis. Wait for the next big crossover event between four Alien Predator, Alien Predator, and Prometheus books. Just you wait. I'm, yep. I'm impressed, Michael. You knew all of those. Oh, yeah. I've been hearing about them for the last yeah. two years of my <laughs> life. <laughs> Why would I not know all They've of them by heart? They've been drilled into our brain by you. <laughs> it's like the it's like the Game of Thrones list of people Arya kills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is funny, because I really don't even watch that show, but... Nice joke. Peripheral nice knowledge. Joke. Yeah. So yeah. for me this yeah. week... I'm just going to just jump right in and say this is an X-Men book, and it's Iceman, number four, by Cena Grace, so Edgar Salazar, Ed Tadeo, and Rachel Rosen- Rochelle, Rachel Rosenberg, one of those two. Rochelle. This book, okay, so I was at FlameCon. I talked to Cena Grace. He was super nice, like I said. He showed me, he had proofs for issue number four, so I've already seen most of this issue, but um, all I could really do was stare at Kevin Wada's cover art, um, because it's the most beautiful art so in the good. entire world. And if you didn't see on Instagram, I took a picture of my uh, Gambit postcard that I got from Kevin Wada, and it's the most beautiful thing in the entire world. Like, I'm seriously, before the show started, I was looking for frames so that I can hang this above my computer monitor at home. So I, can I thought you were going to say you took there, pictures like of the portrait. proofs of issue four. <laughs> no, 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 no. I did look at issue number four, though. Like, it's 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 so good. I don't I, I don't know how he, he got into Bobby Drake's head, and it is... My favorite thing in the entire world. I honestly, ten years ago, if you'd have asked Mike, "What do you like about the X Men?" the last thing I would have said is Iceman. Yeah. And here I am, seriously caring about this character every single month. And it is the most heartfelt, heart wrenching story about your favorite goofy X Men. And it's it's so good. So Cena Grace is kicking butt. I mean, at this issue, if I'm not mistaken, Bobby's dealing with some more issues with his parents. And it's a combination of his parents don't like that he's a mutant. His parents are uncomfortable with him being gay. His parents are just kind of uncomfortable with him in general. And that really messes with him. And he's finally, after many, many years of dealing with this, trying to fix that Thing with his parents um we saw a bit of that last month and if i'm not mistaken we're just going to see more but on the cover of this month's issue dokken aka wolverine's son is showing up so i don't even know how that's going to work because i'm pretty sure dokken was dead minus this whole thing with only wolverine didn't have a solid chance to ask cena grace about how that came to be um i did mention it and then another person came up and started talking to him so we will figure that out hopefully this yeah, month fuck that guy <laughs> No, that, that the guy that came up was very nice. They were talking about something else that wasn't Iceman, and at that honestly, at that point, I had taken up too much of one person's time at a con. So it was totally understandable that he didn't get to the question. But that's what I'm excited for this week. I'm telling you, Generation X is great. Iceman is great. I, I mean, they're all great. I, what am I going to tell you? Every, every week, I'm going to tell you something different. But really, Iceman, it's, it's so solid. Such a solid yeah. book. I'm with you where I've never actually liked Iceman. In fact, he usually annoys me the way he's written. (laughs) And this comic, I love it so much. I love him him so much. Some of the the whole storyline with his parents not 
like having a hard time accepting who he is and him yeah. struggling with that has just really touches a nerve. And man, like it is hardcore, probably the most relatable book on my list right now. Gotcha. Let, let, let me ask the question everyone's been waiting for. And it's my favorite question <laughs> because yeah. it means I get to put Mike in a corner and Mike <laughs> has to feel bad about X-Men, which is something I wish he felt on a much more consistent basis. <laughs> Michael, what is the worst X-Men book right now? Oh, Given I can the lay can... of the land. What is the worst one? You might be thinking, how would Mike know? It's because Mike is still reading all of them. Mike I am. went from, <laughs> I'll read a few, cancel the ones I don't like, to I'm going to read all of them at least for a couple issues, to I'm going to read all of them until they naturally get canceled. Which, when he says it to you, it sounds like it's an accomplishment and a decision he's made. <laughs> but if you think about the words being That's said, it actually problem. means Marvel is making decisions and Michael is just flat out getting what he gets. Yeah, I'm here on the podcast still. Um, so, yeah, the the worst X-Men book right now, and I think I may have said this before, but it's Weapon X, unfortunately. Um, it's still Weapon X. It's pretty, pretty balls-to-the-wall okay. action. They did a weird crossover with Incredible Hulk that I did not read. Um, or Amazing Hulk, or whatever the hell that book is with Amadeus Cho. <laughs> We're proud um, at your restraint. I didn't buy the crossover issues because, in my mind, I didn't realize that it was a crossover until I got the third issue in the arc, and I went, oh... Um, I guess this is a thing. And then they did a spin-off book with this the, focusing on the evil characters. I don't care about any of that. So this book's already got a puts a sour taste in my mouth. Um, I'm pretty close to dropping it unless they pick up the pace after this story arc. So that's where I'm I'm basically waiting for the story arc to end and read the next issue. Um, which means that I'm just gonna keep reading it. So yeah. we can just, you know yeah. let's all be honest here. <laughs> okay. For a show this week, we're going to be talking about a topic that we've actually covered on the show before, but it's been a while since we visited it. So we're going to go into books that we recommend to people who don't normally read comics in order to get them hooked on comics. This is not the same as getting hooked on phonics. This is getting hooked on comics. It sounds the same, but I think that's the whole it problem. It is very Anyways, similar, so- though, to getting hooked on crack because you'll yes. spend all your money, you'll make terrible life decisions. Uh, it'll quickly spiral out of control. Comics. Yeah. Are they for you? Comics. Yeah. Oh, I thought I thought that was hooked on phonics. Oh, yeah. Well, that too. Those DVD sets are Pretty expensive. soon you're literate. Your life spirals out of control. <laughs> <laughs> uh, suddenly, every single thing you see actually has meaning. <sighs> it's all it's Ignorance all readable. is bliss. Yeah, yeah. So comic books that get people hooked, I think, is, a, is, a, is always a tough ever-changing topic because we as comic people i think the more we get into comics the more of a challenge this becomes because we start to read so many things and maybe our our biases change and we start to say well this is a book that got me into comic books and maybe that worked for us but long term Mm -hmm. you look back on that book that maybe got you hooked and you go how the hell did i get past these 10 obstacles and how could i you know how could i expect someone else to get past those obstacles so given that you know we haven't done this in maybe a year and a half or so um i think between myself and nick and nick i believe you were on the show last time we did this um i think we've got some very different suggestions maybe some of the same um you'd think i have done my research and figured out what we talked about last time but huh. you, 
you guys no. give me too much credit. So, um, well, well, actually, let's start with Kate because you weren't on the show last time. I want to hear like what are your like first couple of suggestions um, as to getting someone hooked on comic books, and then Nick and I will go into some of ours. Yeah. So actually, mine haven't really changed. The list has just gotten stuff added to it as I've read other things that I think would be very good starting points. Um, okay. When I did the comic book club for college, part of my we had a whole bunch of people show up that had never read comics and had become interested because of the popularity of movies. And so this was a important point to hit home real quick with club, just because otherwise you had a sharp drop off on the number of people who stayed interested in comic book club. So uh, the st- the staples that I always recommend are Saga, uh, because it's everyone's gateway comic. Um, and it has, you yeah, need, yeah. you need one of these days. It's going to be appreciated. Yeah. It, <laughs> God, if it could just get one award, constant underdog, struggle. one award is all we ask for it. Um, yeah, no, it's ridiculous and everyone's read it and it's, and it's like, it's self-contained. So I, you know, coming in a lot of times, what's really overwhelming is continuity <laughs> in the verse universes. And what do I have to know going into this? So Saga, you don't need to know anything going in. That's the beauty of image. Yeah. Um, and then it's very, very accessible for anyone who already likes uh, space opera type stuff, fantasy type comics, sci-fi type or sci-fi, sci-fi or fantasy books, I guess is more the genre. My recommendation for first uh, superhero book is always Matt Fraction and AHA's run of Hawkeye because, again, you don't need to know any of the continuity stuff uh, going into it, and it's beautiful and smart and a fast read. And then I have others. but Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) I just want more of that and more and more and more forever. Um, Yeah, so to touch on a point that I think you you brought up – was the whole continuity thing. I think that, yeah. you know, our biggest problem with comics, and we'll argue about this to the end of time, is the argument of continuity versus non-continuity books, why independent books are a lot easier for people to approach, even though they don't feature the characters that people necessarily want to read, which is why it's really, really important for us to see these independent shows and uh, independent, like, comic books, I should say, getting made into TV shows and right. movies. So when someone says, hey, I really like The Walking Dead, what do I read? You go, hey, Not motherfucker, the Dead. you can just read... You can <laughs> No, the, no, probably well, don't no. lead in with motherfucker, but uh, <laughs> this is how I talk to comic people. Okay, Listen, guys? asshat. <laughs> no, no, no. It's like, hey, you know, you've liked Walking Dead. Now you can read The Walking Dead. You can, you know, get more of that story. And it's to the point where it's different that you're getting like a different take on the same characters. You're getting introduced to new characters that aren't necessarily on the show. Um, and that's nice. Similar with Outcast. Similar with Preacher. You know, revival, and, and that's why all it's getting these, a show and revival. Yeah, and they're all getting TV shows because they are standalone. They don't have to tie in. And then you get people who are maybe into the Marvel TV shows, the Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so on and so forth. And that's where things get a little bit murkier. And But I still think that Hawkeye works because it allows someone to get into the Marvel Universe without all the crazy continuity because it's standalone. It introduces you enough to some enough elements in the universe that they could go oh well i like this you know kate bishop or i like the madam mask was she was she in the first one i don't don't think so um but nonetheless you can you get introduced to some little tidbits or i like how iron man was portrayed here how can i read more about that Um, what book is that (laughs) well iron man is in hawkeye for an issue just whatever but it's still it's it's common characters that you probably would have seen in movies and i think that that's helpful to be like that gateway to other books it's also 
Don't ruin my Iron Man slam ever again, Raptor. I swear to God. In general, I always recommend, regardless of where, like, if you're passionate about a certain character, start with them, but start with a certain character instead of team books. Team books are a terrible place to start as a brand new reader because they are just rife with you need to have known this, you know, kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, okay, so so on top of that, so Nick, I guess... Your your suggestions are vastly different than what I remember um, in in the the small modicums that I can remember. So what are what are some of the the first few that you'd probably throw to people to say, hey hey, try out comic books. They're pretty cool. You don't have to yeah. be it doesn't have to be cape books. It doesn't have to be something that you expect with crazy continuity, which is again the big barrier. Sure. Yeah. Cape cape books are so tricky because they're one of those situations where people that you actually maybe sense already have some sort of an interest in comics. That's what they're coming with. And it's just this bizarre situation where they're like, I think I like this and I want you to get me more interested in this without actually turning me off from this, from me discovering that this is far too fucking confusing. (laughs) And it's like, geez, I almost actually wish you came to me with no interest in comics so I could steer you towards something else. (laughs) Um, Honestly, it's so bizarre like that. It's like, well, I'm I'm really glad you like this, but I really wish you came to me not liking anything. Which uh, unless which they're is a my baby, perspective my, on everything. That's, that's I said unless they're a baby, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, Nick. yeah. Well, then those people need hooked on phonics, like we talked about earlier. <laughs> my favorite so. is when people tell me, "No, I don't want to read your Fraction Hawkeye book because Hawkeye's stupid." I've seen Avengers. I'm like, yeah, of course he's stupid in Avengers. He's a street level hero. He has no business fighting with them in those movies. And, and then at this point, and halfway through that sentence, yeah. you see their eyes glaze over at street level heroes <laughs> exactly. and try to understand what the fuck that means yeah exactly exactly um so yeah i mean honestly as a as a interesting mind exercise earlier today i was like what batman book would i give someone that would Mm. like work and good god was that a fucking struggle um but it did arrive at at one of one of the books i would recommend um, which is Dark Knight, A True Batman Story. Um, this is written by Paul Denis. It's drawn by Eduardo Riso. It is thankfully in paperback now because, mm-hmm. relatively speaking, um, if you were to buy... Uh, this was originally out in hardcover, and uh, it's tough to say it's not a great bang for its buck, but honestly, if you like, like if you were pounding out like what it would be price per page it's it's an expensive book it's it's uh it's not a lot of bang for your buck sure um but it's a really really great story it's obviously in digital now it's obviously like i said in soft cover so it's slightly more affordable now um but i think it really works because it does grab the people who are looking for a batman story and it's not a quote-unquote normal batman story per se it's obviously an auto. It's an autobiographical, um, historical narrative about kind of Paul Denis' childhood and his his interest in, in creativity and stories and writing and how in the '90s he was kind of a rising star. He wrote for Tiny Toons Adventures. Mm-hmm. He actually won whichever award you would get for that. Um, and he was writing for Batman the Animated Series and kind of had this great career. Uh, and then he got jumped and was badly hurt, and it kind of turns into this weird, bizarre story of him existing in this world with this vigilante, you know, crusader defending and you know standing up for people, uh, and and him kind of trying to juxtapose his own narrative on top of these fictional narratives that he's been creating. 
uh, on a daily basis and and it's and it's beautiful and it's interesting and so for people that want a compelling nonfiction narrative uh it's there for people who want that to also happen to be batman flavored guess what it is um it is mature it is serious um but it's mature and serious in ways that are neither gratuitous um, or just superficially, you know, here are the things I need to make this book quote-unquote M-rated. Um, and, and it's heartfelt, and it comes from a very personal place, uh, and and it's not that long of a book, and it's self-contained. I, I think it's a fantastic way to start. Um, in terms of if I had to pick a Batman starting book, part of me really wants to say long halloween oh, yeah. just because the architecture of it is similar to the actual movie it's based on the dark knight mm-hmm. um, no, but i realize yeah, no. that's also a very weird art I place spend, to start. I, so i read that because yeah. you told me too. having read i i came to it having read a decent amount of batman i mean at least several volumes and i spent a lot of time on wikipedia for it so it just has it has a lot of oh, wow. continuing you gotta well, pay your dues but that's what i mean Kate, where it's not a good starter <laughs> book um it has a lot of sure. characters that you are expected to know in it i i started with new 52 batman volume one the zach or scott snyder and i i thought that was a decent place to start i don't remember having too much trouble with it sure sure how about you mike um Oh, I mean, I'm all over the board. I feel like this changes week to week because as I start to appreciate um, less bigger books, I just want to suggest them to people. And that's kind of weird because, well, I've never heard of this and this sounds weird. It's like, well, you recommended a novel by some weird author. So, like, uh, let's do this, bud. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So weird off. (laughs) Some weird, you know, fictional BS that you wanted me to read 400 pages of. So um, you can read a 200-page graphic novel. It's a lot easier anyways um i'm not bitter at all about anything i would recommend Mm. (laughs) to people uh tetris the games people play especially if you've got some someone that's into video games i think the story that box brown delivers in that i know i i only recently read it earlier this year um but at this point i think i've suggested it to four or five people and every person's come back and been like holy shit there are comic books like this and Did you know Box Brown is writing the new Rugrats comic that's coming out? I'm not making this up. That is a piece of... Tr- that is a thing that I have a lot of mixed <laughs> feelings about right now. Yeah, yeah. I just saw it in previews. Oh, God. Um, ugh, I won't even, I'm not even going to react to that right now properly. We will talk about this after the show. That's fine. But, uh, yeah. yes, Box Brown, I think he... Ha- he you know, I've said this a million times. I know Paul has said this too. Um, his the way he tells a story feels very objective. It feels like he's just presenting facts to you. It feels a lot like Hip Hop Family Tree, um, like a documentary. A yeah, it's like a documentary style. Rats. This sounds fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and of course, all these books are, are your biographical oh, right. stories. You know, they are stories about another person um, based on a ton of research. And I think Tetris, the games people play, takes something that is iconic with pretty much any American, and you know, Tetris being the game. And yep. They, they get to understand where it came from, knowing the history, figuring out how it was just developed by some guy for fun. And it became this worldwide sensation. Um, and seeing how that blew up, um, I know that there's documentaries and stuff out there. There are other things out there that you could potentially read. There are actually a couple of books about this, like prose novels. But I think Box Brown's delivery of the story is straightforward. It's simple to comprehend. You get a little bit of history of Nintendo and Sega and Atari. And it's... 
if you just have a modicum of interest in the video game industry um, or video games in general, I think this is like the or best just li- book. legal licensing battles. If for some <laughs> yeah. weird, weird reason that's something you well, you if know, you, if you like drawn out arguments about licensing shit. Yeah. It, well, what's interesting about this book is that it touches on all those facts. Uh, all those facets, but it doesn't ever go into them so intricately that you're bored. Um, the the pacing. It's like, in let's this move book on is, to the next thing. Yeah, the yeah. pacing in the book is very smart because it's he he doesn't have to do that. He doesn't have to give like an argument. He can say, "Here's what happened. Here's how it turned out. Let's move on." Because this story is bigger than that. It's not about yeah. the legal ramifications and blah blah blah. It's about the people who played this game and the people who created this game and why they did that and what it means. So I highly recommend this book to everyone, um, especially you know big comic book fans and people who don't read comics at all. Um, it's a mm-hmm. cool way to present comics to someone because you'll usually get that reaction of this. They make comic books like this, and they go, "Oh my right. friend, let's let's talk about some other really cool stuff." Like yeah. March, it's, for instance. It's stupid and it's not fair, but I think nonfiction comics are sometimes, depending upon the person you're dealing with, nonfiction is always a good starter point because, as unfair and stupid as it is for some people, that's seen as quote unquote more respectable yeah yeah so um See, but that's why you get you, something like mouse for instance okay i saw you wrote yeah. that in the notes um so i don't want to take that from you but i think that books like that work because they're depicting a real thing even if mouse is a humongous metaphor that's in plain sight I mean, mm-hmm. very purposeful mm-hmm. um yeah i guess i yeah. have a handful that i recommend for starting points for people who think comic books are frivolous um, and are willing to give me a chance to prove otherwise. Uh, Mouse is one of those. Persopolis is another another uh, autobiographical comic. Um, Vision by Tom King and Gabriel Hernandez is a great one. And I Kill Giants. Those are those are my go to. Oh. <sighs> mm. You're trying to just break someone's I heart. Is what you're saying. I basically want people gonna... to be sad <laughs> oh, ahead, forever take. and then rely mm. on comics as a cr- emotional crutch. At least this is how I do it. So I feel like that's the way everyone should do it. No. You have like the 1996 Olympic basket- men's basketball team dream team of depression right there. <laughs> that's yeah. your starting starting lineup. Oh, like uh, your, your, well, so, your, your bench warmers will beat anyone else. That's how, yeah. So, um, I mean, that, I know we kind of glossed over those. Could you give like a brief summary of each of those really quickly for those that may not know? Uh, super brief because I feel like it's going to be hard yeah, to find anyone who doesn't know. But... Well, no, I feel like these are all big enough names <laughs> at this point. So, Mouse is the. Uh... Well, how about this? I don't know what Persophilus is. What? So, could you explain that one, Michael? To me? We're going to have to talk I, hey, about this. Know, listen, hey, hey, hey! This oh, is boy. there's none of this gatekeeping bullshit here on this <laughs> podcast. You don't have to be like that. I don't know. Maybe the <laughs> listeners don't know. I Kill Giants is a, is a very good book. I know what it's about, but maybe people don't. That's what I'm getting at. We're here to inform people, Kate. Come on, why are you being so rude right now? <laughs> okay, so Persopolis was really big uh, a few years ago. They turned it into a movie. Read the comics. I haven't actually watched the movie. Um, it is an autobiographical comic about a woman growing up in, I'm going to say Iran, but during that is during what I'm the, thinking, yes. the takeover when they turned to the more repressive uh, law enforcing religious laws. Um, and so what it was like growing up as a little girl during that and having it become dangerous to be a normal adolescent um, and eventually getting sent to live in Germany because it was just too dangerous. Um, and then 
So it's very much along the lines of Mouse, where it's describing a cultural moment, a political moment through the eyes of a certain individual. And it is sad. It is frustrating. I mean, this is real life and this is what people are dealing with. Um, but it is incredibly good. It's You can get it in either two volumes or one big volume the same way Mouse is. So mm-hmm. I Kill Giants is a 12-issue maxi from Image that it's one of the few comics I think where you're not I think I know I okay the think is I think there's only a few but I know for a fact that if you have a first uh first uh publishing or first printing of the I Kill Giants trade it's worth a butt ton of money oh what if you have the single issues oh I have no idea I looked to get the trade <laughs> and that's when I was I like the single what issues, the that's why. hell um, it's worth like two or three hundred dollars for your trade now, which is crazy. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I Kill Giants is a, a follows a young girl that's having a lot of troubles and is has a very robust um, possibly fantasy life. I mean, that kind of is part of the story um, mm-hmm. where she is killing giants and you quickly start to see where this is all coming from. And it is this unraveling. And it's about how people cope with stuff and how kids cope with stuff. Um, if you like, like, A Monster Calls as the book, then you'd probably like I Kill Giants. And then Vision, Definitely. I feel like we've talked about, I've talked about a million times on we've this show. We've got a whole mini-sode. So, I, mini-sode about it, it's yeah, fine. It's yeah. out there. I mostly just wanted to know what Persophilus oh, was because yeah. I've never heard of it. That's all. For real, you should very much read it. It is very interesting. Yeah. Um, you know if Terry Gross talks about it, it's good stuff. So. Sure. <laughs> I don't know who Terry Gross is, but you know what? what? I'll, I'll take your word okay. for it. Okay, we're going to have Un- conversations. I've said many times on this show that I'm uncultured, and I don't know about <laughs> anything. So I don't know why you're surprised by any of this. Terry Gross you know, is I, You know, I, if, if we're going to, I mean, we're talking about other books that I would recommend kind of in an all-ages perspective, because I think I Kill Giants actually fits in all in ages, all ages yeah, it does. story. And it, it's weird because the, the overall story, it's weird because the overall story is very mature but i think that if you gave this to like a teenager or someone like you know early teenager like they would definitely get it sure and it would maybe like shape the way they approach their problems in some ways schooler i wouldn't say it's inappropriate content for kids it might be disturbing or the allegory might be an illusion um alluding to stuff would be a little over the heads of younger kids but by 10 11 i'd say they have it yeah and so like going along those lines i think like to try to aim at something more all ages oriented. I think something like I always push mouse guard on people because it's a really cool adventure story Um, for people that want to read like a fantasy book that has a little bit of violence, really cool fantasy elements. And it's fun because it's about animals. Um, I know we pushed this book a ton. I'm pretty sure this is one of my suggestions last time we talked about this topic, but it still sticks because I recently reread this book. Because I love D and D, and this is basically D and D, the comic book, in a lot of ways. Not without without getting into the metasphere of D and D. It's just a straight fantasy story where there's enemies, and your characters have specializations, and the, so the characters in the book are just very unique, really cool people that you want to continue to follow. Which it's like if you read this first volume, you're going to be hooked, and you're going to read the rest of them. And there's like six or seven other volumes. It's fantastic stuff. It's also very pretty. That was. Yeah, David Peterson's art yeah. is 
top notch. And I believe later they did some. They did like a couple of anthology books that are by different artists and writers, oh, but all in those. the same shared universe. Um, I believe they're like Legends of the Black Axe stories. Um, I have them on my shelf. You'd think I'd read them at this point, but I have not. <laughs> so basically, if you liked Redwall, go read Mouse Guard. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's totally true. And that's the thing. Like, I feel like you know a lot of parents they'll they'll read fantasy story to their kids that have you know age appropriate stories or that are age appropriate stories. Maybe um, like if you're in the Lord of the Rings and your kids like Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter, this is the next natural thing for them to read and it's got pictures and it's something that you could read along together i think mouse guard totally fits that um so if you're looking you know if you're someone that's just into that kind of fantasy stuff or you have kids like it totally works i think it's a great book for people but let's get away from all ages books because the rest of our stuff is really adult and mature um in terms of i've got criminal on my list and nick also grabbed a uh, an ed brubaker book uh killer be killed so, you know, wh- why are those books good, Nick? I'll just leave you to the Ed Brubaker family. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I, I do want to touch on one more family-friendly book while we're there. And sure. maybe this is like me delving down the rabbit hole too far. But I think it used to be when we were trying to get people into comics, it was like, see, comic books, we have this like we have this weird chip on our shoulder. And it's like, see, comic books can be mature and respectable too. And that's how you got like Mouse and Persepolis and things like this that are very... Persepolis. Persepolis that are very uh, highfalutin... Um, standalone um, a little bit like I hate to say this but it is kind of true like very like artsy fartsy graphic novel sort of stuff sure and I think as we obviously discussed with with um, you know especially some of the things on Kate's list um, obviously um, those aren't all ages friendly and not everything needs to be either um, but as you were getting at I think that that's also kind of an important focus uh, trying to hit books that have sort of that Pixar, uh, moment where it's things go over the head of some people, but everyone manages to enjoy it for one reason or or another. Mm-hmm. And I think some of those things are kind of like the new wave of what I'm seeing as like this is you know this is what I would recommend to people, um, especially now that all of these you know young adult scholastic books are are selling like hotcakes. There's no reason to not be trying to you know attract younger readers instead of saying you know hey 56 year old parent of mine or whatever like i'm gonna try to change your mind because so what would you recommend i was gonna say (laughs) flash gordon is actually one that i would get get at like if you want to talk about a book that is bright and clean and much like Mike was talking about um, Mouse Guard in terms of a really good all-ages okay. fantasy standpoint. I see Flash Gordon as a really good all-ages sci-fi oh, starting yeah. standpoint. Yeah. There's a little bit of violence, but it's not over the top. It's got sort of those generic 1950s uh, sci-fi staples of you know spaceships and ray guns and, and weird aliens and then the other aliens that are basically just humans but they're red or purple and nobody put much <laughs> effort into it because right. welcome to a 1950s science fiction movie um, but it, like I said it's very bright it's very fun uh, and you really don't need to know anything about Flash Gordon just know he's just a, a, a bit of a, a stupid fellow uh, very athletic <laughs> very outgoing but not the sharpest tool in the shed but also not the dumbest one uh i like this book a lot it's by jeff parker with art by doc shaner uh it's right it's there. a little yeah. bit more obscure but i would definitely say 
uh, give it a try. You, you can give it to your kids and, and, and feel okay with it, and they'll feel like they're reading something that also isn't, like, you know, no one's gonna get hurt, and no one's gonna, you know, truly experience any amount of peril. Um, in terms of Brubaker, which is definitely on the other end of, holy shit, never <laughs> let your kids see this. Yeah, yeah. Um, Obligatory nudity because Brubaker. Yep, yeah, yeah. no, I was, uh, I, uh, my dad's been reading Killer Be Killed, and I walked by when he was looking at one of the pulp pictures, and I was like, at this moment, the two of us are not going to have a conversation about what you're looking at. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm I going to, Velvet, I'm going to opt for silence. Movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I think Ed Brubaker is kind of like the who who's the who writes all the spy books? Is it Dean Koontz? Is it like I don't, I don't even know John Grisham? You mean like Ian Fleming? Yeah, like, Ian Fleming, like James like, Bond and stuff. Yeah, I feel like Brubaker is trying to fill that niche in comics in yes. a lot of ways, yeah. and I don't think that that's bad because there are a lot of people that enjoy those stories. Um, oh yeah, I love Velvet. I do think it it kind of has that HBO effect where like. Regardless of what is actually happening in the story, in your issue, you're going to have some boobs. Yeah. Like, it's going to mm-hmm. happen. Yeah, Sean Phillips <laughs> so. and even, and what's his name? Uh, they they uh, they love drawing boobs. That's just what it is. Yep, they just super do. <laughs> and you just have to get past yeah. that part of it. Yeah. So. yeah. But nonetheless, they, they are books that are kind of, like, they're a standalone universe. It's just like cool spy yeah. story, cool action story. Yeah, he story. writes a good spy story. Yeah. And his books are very grounded, and the art style is also very grounded to a point that obviously there's that batch of people you're trying to target who don't want to read anything fantastical, like in any regard. Like it needs to be people on Earth dealing with normal people problems. No, normal. And what I really like about that's what I love about Brubaker and and Phillips is that. They hook you in with normal issues like, uh, you know, dealing with your girlfriend or, or having issues with, with your spouse or, or issues at work or, or problems with, with depression or, or medication, you know, abusing medication or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and then once they've got you hooked enough, they give a little bit of a twist. Uh, and Kill or Be Killed is so perfect because you've got this guy who tries to kill himself and he somehow lives... And he ends up dealing with this demon who says, I want you to kill one bad person every month um, or something's going to happen to you. And he's like, well, can you tell me who? And he's like, it's too late. I'm leaving. Bye. I'm a demon. I'm going to hell. Uh, and it's like, I really wish you would send me a PDF attached with all the instructions on who to kill. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, I use Hotmail. Um, so, so you're left with this really fun situation of this guy who has to determine... Um, who he's going to kill, and of course you're thinking, and this is what I love, they get in his head so well, because cynical me at that point was like, you know what, if I were him, I would just like not kill anyone, because how do you know if this is real or not? Right. And so the character just sort of bides his time, and he waits, and as the month start, sort of Are starts to come to a this, close... Nick? No, 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 I'm, just start, I'm, I'm providing the hook, I'm not going to give okay. the reveal. Okay. He starts to get sicker and sicker, and he starts to wonder to himself, like, is this anxiety? Is this, uh, you know, is this like PTSD from this incident? Is this real? Mm-hmm. Is this perceived? Is it not? And it's the book has just such a wonderful kind of unreliable narrator feel that kind of comes and goes and comes and goes. Yeah. And uh, it's great. <laughs> it's really great. And 
there are people out there that if you threw the demon part at them right off the bat, they would be like, uh, no thank you, fuck you, but the way they weave it in, it's just sort of just a Trojan horse effect that they do with Fatal as well, yeah. so well, yeah. and, and, um, just for people that like crime, for, I mean, not like, like actual crime, crime. Yeah. yeah, for people that are out burglaring their neighbors at night, <laughs> um... No, I think no. criminal, criminal, fatal, velvet, killer be killed. Like these are all perfect yeah. examples of books that fade out, and the fade out. They they are all perfect examples of books that hit that niche uh, or that niche of you know you like watching crime TV shows, you like reading right. crime novels. Um, but take yeah. that, but now it's a comic book, and maybe add a, a little bit more fantastical potential because we've got this visual medium that lends to it so well because there isn't a limitation on budget for, you know, After Effects and all that crazy stuff. (laughs) Yeah, I think that gets to a good point, too, where one of the first things uh, is good to ask when people say, well, I want to get into comics, which I read, is, well, what do you read in novels? What do you enjoy on TV and in movies? Like, what genre, basically? And that is probably the key place to go from, you know, start from, is what are you already into? Yeah, um, yeah, especially the mature elements question. You do not want to be handing the wrong book to someone who's maybe a little bit more squeamish or or yeah. prudish about certain things. <laughs> well, like a, if someone told me that they like pass out preacher left and right, yeah. People. If someone told me they like World War Two stuff, I wouldn't give them Uber unless they I knew they were really into extreme violence. Like, <laughs> well, you are kind like, of a real weird fuck. So here's, here's um, Uber. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like if someone was like, I hate the TV show Firefly, I'd probably be like. Like, and like space operas in general be like okay maybe even though everyone should read is like everyone's starter comic a saga it's probably not for you uh, yeah so that, that's a great that's kind of yeah so i guess the other big big element that's come up for me a lot in recommending to people trying to get into it i was trying to get uh female friends or associates into comics when they say comics are just too sexist and misogynistic and gross and sure. so i have a handful of books that i'm like no 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 you can have or or they get that very cardboard female characters where it's like she's a strong female well what else is she she's, <laughs> she's a strong female she's literally strong also yeah. she's a strong female I guess, like she's a strong something. female character that is all she is so she is I'm a re- two-dimensionally <laughs> strong female character exactly so revival and gamora i think are my two um uh, Entry comic, like there, you don't need a bunch of info going in. Revival, yeah, Lazarus is good too. Yep. Um, Revival is basically, do you do you love Dana Scully? Well, you're gonna love Dana (laughs) Cypress because they are basically the same person. Um, Oh man, I love that. And Revival is also getting a TV show, which is exciting. Um, yeah. This is the comic by Tim Seeley, Mike Norton, and Jenny Frisian. Jenny Frisian does the covers, but they're oh, so yeah. gorgeous. They need She needs to be credited for this series because yeah, I like swear, like, half the people who read it read it because of her covers. So. That's the art book that I want one day, yeah, you know, of just all sure. of her covers and stuff. Her oh, man. covers are incredible. She is, my, hands down, my favorite cover artist right now. But, um, yeah, so that is a really good... Sci-fi in the same sense that X Files is sci-fi, like solving yeah. the mystery of what's going on. Um, yeah. Comic with very multiple, well-rounded female characters that are not two-dimensional. And then Gamora is the same thing. The, there is not anything sexist about Gamora, which is incredible in a capes book. Like mm-hmm. not the art, not the writing. She's three-dimensional. Her adversary is female and no three-dimensional. I mean, not really adversary. That's kind of hard to. So my point is, sometimes you get these books where it's like, okay, this one female character is good, but 
every other female character in the book isn't, or there are no other female characters in the book. And yeah. Gamora and Revival don't have that problem at all. Where just like you normally get f- multiple fleshed out male characters, in these you get multiple fleshed out female characters too, which is awesome. Yeah. So that see that's why I recommend Giant Days to people because yes. it's in the same boat of we've got three very distinct women that are well rounded and are the yep. focus of the entire book. And yeah, there are dumb <laughs> male characters that are on the side, but they are literally two D stereotypes of men. While these Giant women days, get, it's, it's so like, good. Do you like CW? You will love <laughs> Giant Days. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it is very like it's goofy. It's like a very happy go lucky book. Yeah. Um, there's not a lot of anything that you need to know. There's some funny like cartoony kind of elements to it. But I don't think that I think there's a lot of adults out there who do enjoy that, or oh, even I like love that you know, younger folks that like yeah. that to get like a real take on it, like some characters. But also there's some goofy elements to it that make yeah. you laugh because it at the end of the day is a comedy book. Right. Um, but I mean, it's a slice of life book and it's mostly comedy. Like you're not going to get like the the, you know, very special episode about drugs. You know, you're not going to get anything <laughs> like that. Um, and it doesn't you're really go into taught- like. Lessons yeah, you're not getting taught lessons. Throat. There's no like real super downer moments. Any of right. this quote unquote sad moments are met with a nice mix of comedy and things are usually pretty uplifting by the end. And this is probably one of the most positive comic books that you can read right now. That and it isn't is also top-notch. boring. That's what I love about right. like most really hyper positive books are also kind of dull. Or yeah, are ramming yeah. moral lessons down your throat and feel Don't very much like a Don't tell me to believe in book. myself, okay? And, yeah, it's not no, exactly, happen. exactly. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. So that's what that's what's so great about Giant Days. It is truly all ages, as opposed to all ages, quote unquote. But what we really mean is eight year olds. I don't know if it's all ages. I wouldn't give this to like a teenager. I would maybe give this to someone like going off to college because there's some. There's just, there are some like adult elements that are like on the far end of PG thirteen spectrum that I'm like yeah, maybe I'm I don't know if like a twelve year old person well just like there's a lot of smoking there's like implications of drugs they and are sex college but, age characters but never in such a way that it's you know like oh no I'm doing heroin it's like that's what I mean it's, it's like CW it's like this it would is. be approved by the FCC to air on cable television at like seven p.m. sure yeah that's <laughs> totally true that's true no one's doing heroin. Um, <laughs> they always say of, it like that yeah they do and no matter what you're watching so okay th- you know this is this has been fantastic i know we had more on our list but i do want to round off the episode here um so th- these were all great suggestions we're going to put everything that we have in our notes in the show notes so if you need a couple more examples of things you want to recommend to people please check out the show notes and also send us your suggestions books that you've actually gotten people hooked on comics on with that's that'd be awesome for us to hear we can add it to this fictional page of books that you should recommend to your friends and family that don't read comic books so I'm going to round off the show here, starting with you can follow us all on Twitter. You can follow Nick on Twitter. He's Death Star Plans. It's Death, D-E-T-H, Star Plans with a Z without an A. It's a whole thing. You can follow Kate on Twitter. You you can't even follow Nick because it's a private account. What are you talking about? (laughs) You can can request to follow Nick. Yes, you can request to follow Nick. Uh, You can also follow Kate on Twitter. She's Kate Scotchless. Her name's spelled like a crazy Scottish name, so you got to go look that up. It's crazy Polish. Get it right, you. Crazy European. I don't even know. Mine's also spelled weird. It's Mike Rappin. It's R-A-P-I-N. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram. You can also follow me on Medium, where I'm posting 
answers to these big, huge questions that my friend Renee innocently asked me, and I've decided to turn them into two to 3,000 word responses. Um, that's all out there on Medium. You can also follow the show at IRCB Podcast on Twitter. We retweet a bunch of random stuff. At 3 in the morning, I'll even respond to you. And I make polls every Friday for the most part. Um, things such as, what's that smell? With a bunch of various comic book characters as the answer. So, <laughs> you know, that's what I do with my Friday afternoons. I'm, I'm glad your boss approves of that, right? You definitely run that by them. Sure. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh, on top of that, you can follow our Goodreads group. Uh, just go ahead and Google I Read Comic Books Goodreads or IRCB Goodreads. It's the first result, uh, unless I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm right yeah, on that. You're right. Uh, we're right up there. Uh, we have weekly threads every week talking about books that we've read, talking about comic books and movies, comic books and TV, uh, anything and everything about comics, it's there. Uh, we also talk about our um, monthly show, which is based on our Goodreads pick of the month, which you can help uh, vote for, nominate, uh, and also, you know, just recommend so you can feel like you're part of the democratic process. Um, also, you can get your comments read right on the show. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, give us some input, and there's a chance that we might either talk about you or talk about it, uh, what you said. <laughs> that's, so, that's um, the op- it's the same thing. It's there if you <laughs> want it. Talk about uh, we won't talk about you. We will talk about yes. your ideas. Yeah, we are a yeah. podcast of I- about ideas, <laughs> not people, except Rick Remender. On that note, uh, we also have a website. It's ircbpodcast.com. Some of you might be thinking, I don't remember that being the website. You're right. At one point, it wasn't, but it is now. Yes. Get over it. So after you've gotten over it, I guess, uh, rate, please rate, subscribe, and tell your friends about us. Uh, rating us does a world of wonder for us to help our show grow just because that's how most people are finding the podcast is through the podcast directories you can email mike at ircb at destroy the uh, please reach out with all your hate mail he loves to read it and we love, love talking to you yes um, speaking of hate mail and love mail, actually, uh, we did get a fantastic email from Danny, one of our number one followers. He talks to us all the time, and it's really fantastic. Um, so thank you for that email, Danny. That was very heartwarming, and everyone definitely cried um, with your very kind wo- over your very kind words. I want to give another shout-out to Ross for direct messaging me all the time and asking me questions about various things about the show. I very much love answering them, so thank you for reaching out. Um, Infinity Shred is the best. They're the best band in the universe. They do all the music for our show, and we absolutely love them to death. Xander is a demigod having fun in this realm, but he also edits the show. Um, I believe right now he is traveling through the skies as an air elemental. He said he'll be back in time to watch Game of Thrones this week. Um, And finally, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who listens to the show, reaches out to us, recommends the show, plays and downloads everything you know, goes back and listens to the back episodes. It means so much that you actually pay attention and want to talk to us and listen to what we have to say. And we are so happy to make a new episode every week for you. Um, so until next time, until next week, we will check you later. Thank you so much. Mike, do you want me to recut that so Xander nope, doesn't nope, murder me? No, it's too late. It's it's been done. It's been done. All right, <laughs> just, just just putting it out there. I am, 
I am I am offering to uh I just go silent. Put the, I just like if to I put the curtain back if, in front of the uh, If no one responds whole, to Nick, he will just finish his statement. He will run out of steam. That's what I've get. And then Kate, you just jump in and you're like, "But Nick, that's wrong." And then it starts the, the train oh, all over sorry, again. Sorry, but it was wrong. Him. You're giving people bad information. <laughs> it's totally fine. It's, I think it, it's fine. I'm just I'm joking. Nick, also we, we down love with you. I'm just I know I realized that felt long. No, no, it's it's done. It's okay. a thing that happened. Okay. It's a thing that happened. Okay. Uh, I trust Xander to trim it. He's okay. going to trim us all. He also gives me haircuts. I think that's another thing. Um, with every piece of audio, he cuts a little bit of my hair away. Um, I think he should just take a razor to that beard. Uh, whoa. Uh-oh. 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 Okay, I've been rocking this beard for far too long. I don't think anyone <laughs> would recognize me if I shaved it. I, it's it's a thing that I threaten Kelly with all the time, and to she be, goes, "Well, I can always buy clear, a ticket back to Michigan." To be clear, I'm joking. I was making I a, hair, so. a hipster haircut joke. You know what? Uh-oh. I had this mm-hmm. beard before I was a hipster. Okay. Mm-hmm. You had it before I was cool. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> Damn it! You saw through my let me, ruse. Let me let, let me just put this in here for Xander, just so he gets mad at this. If anything else, uh, we we have a Goodreads group. You can vote on things. We have polls. You can vote on our book of the month. Um, you can talk about comic books however you want to, and we all have a good time. And everyone is nice. And. Uh, <laughs> I visit there sparingly. And you know, the when last you time do, you, did you that, write like a huge essay. <laughs> yeah, the, la- the thing is, the yeah. last time you did this, Nick Xander totally cut your comment out and then put your your fake recording afterwards into the actual episode. So now that's probably going to happen again. Oh, I'm aware. I mean, you know, I'm I'm all about giving him options. Now that we've done that, <laughs> um, I need to return to this beard topic and tell you my feelings oh about beards. So the beards. thing is, is I appreciate every one of you that is contributing to peak beard because eventually peak we beard. will hit peak beard and then it will no longer be cool and you'll get the reactionary stance where to be cool you now have to not have a beard. And so what then you're saying is dwindle. that you you're actively <laughs> encouraging beards because you everyone needs a beard even women so that we can hit peak beard and this trend hit will die <laughs> because you don't like beards listen i don't have that strong of feelings i mean you, it sounds I'm, like you have a very strong feeling actually because you're encouraging everyone to get to peak beard here's so my feeling no about be beards that's strong is i don't enjoy when I'm talking to someone with a beard and I'm trying to be polite and look at their eyes, but all I can look at is that thing that's stuck in their beard, kind of near oh. their mouth. And that happens um, way too ever, often. Have you ever you had gotta, someone you know. that's just like, uh, my eyes are up here, Kate? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, if they might be, but that, that glob of something sure isn't. <laughs> See, the thing is, a true beardsmith, someone who cares about their beard, <laughs> is aware of these types of things. Yeah. They do the thing, like, you, you see guys stroking their beard sometimes in a conversation. Mm-hmm. That's not just to, like, look cool or to, like, be like, I'm touching mm-hmm. my beard. It's to be like, Mm-mm. did something fall into my face? I'm going to make sure. Because I just ate something that was crumbly. And so we, we pull it off as, like, a, hmm, I'm thinking very hard about this topic. But what you're actually doing is grooming. See, and it's there's a, a difference between the people who groom and the people who are like, hey, this is a trend now. I don't have to do any personal hygiene anymore in regards to my True. face. True. Which is making it hard to distinguish as an individual on the street who exactly is a serial killer. 
Serial killers don't all have beards. <laughs> serial killers tend to actually be relatively well groomed a lot of the yeah. time. So, I'm talking more you know, have you ever of seen a picture of Ted Bundy? I mean, ones. but yes, you are oh, right. The, the, we're the not talking the smooth, serial killers. I the, see the smooth talkers. <laughs> we're we're talking about the hermit ones that will definitely chain you in a basement for twenty years. Those ones, I think, you know, if you want to break it down to statistics, are generally the less effective ones. So, I mean. Uh, Did you ever read that book I gave you about serial killers, Nick? Uh, I've read some of it so far. They all had but, beards. Uh, no, they yeah, really no. didn't. He's right. It, yeah, there's very, very different types of personalities. If you want to get people to get, if you want like strangers that. to get in the car with a stranger, you don't look like a stranger. Yeah, you have yeah. to do a different type of uh, scenario if you want to be a crazy. Well, also, maybe you're not abducting people. Maybe you're just blowing them up. Who knows? Anything could happen. Mm. Listen, Xander, probably don't put this in the show. <laughs> you just, you're just stereotyping people with beards. Yeah. Listen, I'm firmly yeah. anti-crumb. I think we can all get behind that stance. <laughs> we can all come together as a nation Look, and say no. if your no. beard goes into your mouth when you eat, that's a problem, yes. okay? Trim it, please. Yeah, see, that's the thing. Please. I never understand people that have beards. Responsible beard owners th get this. Their mustaches go below their lips. It's like, how do you eat anything or drink anything? You're just going to be smelling or that thing for the rest of the day. Like, and I it means other people who are reacting to you don't see your facial emotions when they talk to you. Yeah, and when you smile, it's really disconcerting. It, okay, when you smile, all you see is bottom teeth and beard and yep. like mustache. That's yep. really weird. Like Jim Gordon's mustache yep. doesn't make sense. He's a respectable dude. I don't understand it. I won't get it. Well, you know what? This is a whole other topic. We'll talk about facial hair in comic books another day, I think. That's a whole topic. <laughs> is it a whole topic? I don't think it is. It might is. be. I think I might so. Be able, I think it could be. There, it's only going to be men on the show there were talking about men super things. super heated debates about, what was who was it? Green Arrow, when they got rid of his horrible facial hair, and then when they brought it back. Oh, the goatee. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I can I can talk about that forever. I know yeah. you we'll can, see. Nick. God, I know you can. <laughs> I did not like that. Thing. See, I like the and Oliver then everyone Queen, was like, like kind of yeah. unkempt look, but not the goatee. Yeah. The new goatee is actually cool. The rebirth one actually looks neat because the when Otto Otto Schmidt draws it. You know, if you've ever seen any of his art, like things have very like triangular, like geometric sort of feels to it. Yeah. And it has a real stylized look that I actually am okay with. But like I said, that's also because you don't have the Robin Hood hat and you also don't have the Robin Hood domino mask going on. Yeah. Um, so again, so, it's a whole yeah. topic in itself. I think that's, I think that's worthy. I'm going to put that on. If you have yeah. some hyper groomed style like that, do people have like templates they make? Or are you just always free handing it? In which case I find it unrealistic that it would always be that even. Most people freehand it. You can you get a pretty good understanding of your face after a couple times shaving, um, in terms of like what works and what doesn't. Uh, maybe the first couple goatees are bad, but after that, you you've got a pretty good mental mold of what it should look like. And if it's and during if it the summer, you have like two or three backup plans for when you like screw something yeah. up. Well, you could just like, shave well, it all off. We're reverting yeah. to this look. Yeah. If it's during the <laughs> summer, eventually you go too far and you start to see tan lines. So. Oh, I didn't even think about that yeah. part. Oh, yeah, there's many things. Again, Kate, we could talk about beards all day. Yeah. <laughs> you hipster. Okay. <laughs> you man. That's the that's the better the better answer there. Um, I'm just a shitty man with a beard. 